I mean, full commitment to just hunker down at home and, and get me started on this plan. And let me tell you, by Monday, you could see the difference on my hand. The, um, the inflammation was noticeable, like how much it had gone down on these joints right in here. And um, that to me and the pain level probably went down from, I would say, a 10 to about a, a six or a five. It was at least half the pain. So that for me right there was a huge encouraging sign that, okay, this is totally worth my while. And I, I, I wasn't suffering through the three days. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. Thanks for joining me today. RheumatoidSolutions.com, a special guest today is going to tell her fabulous transformation story with rheumatoid arthritis. And it's going to be very, very fun for me because I have followed her for many years online since we were first connected by a mutual friend. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, I'd love to welcome Elvira to this podcast episode. And, uh, and just to see her smiley face and, and thank her for coming on this episode. Hi, Clint. Thank you so much. Uh, I've been so looking forward to this day since 2016. <laughs> wow. Five years. It goes by quick, doesn't it? It sure does. So I'm really busting to sort of start telling the story of how we were connected and then hear all about the details of your improvements and, of course, all the challenges that you've had yeah. as well. But first, let's hear that quick cut of before and after. What can we expect to hear in this episode? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, I went from being at my worst and my worst being a daily pain level of 10, if we're going on a scale of 1 to 10, daily 10 um, Throughout my body, mainly targeted toward my hands and feet and shoulders. Uh, I was on methotrexate. I was on Plaquenil, prednisone, Celebrex, and a couple of other painkillers were needed. And none of that worked. I only got worse over time. Um, and it didn't stop some joint deformity from happening. Uh, from that to now being pain free. Um, hard like no inflammation full of energy back to enjoying the things that i used to prior to all of uh, the severe illness back in dance classes uh and even training for a little mermaid adventure coming up in september in italy wow that is a wow capital w-o-w that is just <laughs> <laughs> absolutely massive Mm, congratulations. How does it Thank feel you. to be able to share that? It feels just amazing to have my life back, Clint. And um, and I am so, so grateful that I came across your program. That was uh, an inspiring story, <laughs> actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's almost like who who gets to tell it? Well, let's both share our, our yeah. versions. I mean, it's not as though it's a miraculous kind of crazy scenario. We have a mutual friend. Uh, his name is Adam Dean. Now, for a little bit of uh, context here, I you know, I've been doing stand-up comedy entertainment for, gosh, 20 years now. And during those years, you know, you get to know a lot of the other entertainers in the business. And at first you only meet the other stand-ups because you go to the little sort of dodgy comedy clubs and you get to know each other and you spend five minutes on stage and then two hours talking to everyone at the back of the room. But after a few years, you start branching out and you start doing things like cruise ships where you and I have spent a lot of time and you meet other types of entertainers and um, you meet magicians and you meet ventriloquists and you meet (laughs) hypnotists and you meet dancers and you meet piano players and all sorts of stuff. And I have known Adam Dean, who's a professional magician uh, for probably now 17 years. And um, Adam and I, share a a very nice friendship and we've done many a night together performing both you know good shows and and those little rooms that I was talking about and then the story and I'll pass it over to you in just a (laughs) moment he then started doing cruise ships almost exclusively so he was out on the ships gosh I want to say something like doing 30 ships a year I mean he was living on the sea and then this is pre-COVID, of course, where, you know, you guys met back, what, five years ago, or, or this story takes place five years mm-hmm. ago. And then uh, he was out on one of those cruise ships and I received a phone call from him in a sort of an urgent kind of tone in his voice. And he's like, Clint, Clint, I need to talk to you. So why don't I pass over to you to, <laughs> to say how this then went from there? Right. So I'm going to back it up just a little bit. Uh, I was an entertainer, uh, singer, dancer on cruise ships for many, many years. Um, I'm, I'm an actor, singer, dancer. I've been on land for 20 plus years. So I was in, uh, it was early 2016 and I was doing a contract on a cruise ship out of Australia. We were coming into Sydney and uh, I'd met Adam, fellow performer on board. And at the time I was I was struggling. I was with the chronic pain and the inflammation, but what was really difficult uh, at that time was that I was, I was battling depression as well, because you can only, I'm I'm sure everyone can relate to this who's listening and and going through what we've gone through that daily pain really gets to you uh, emotionally into your mental state and add to that the starting to to become limited in, in the things that you're physically able to do and starting to question whether you can continue working or doing the things you love. And so that's where I was when I met Adam. And my I'm sure the energy about me was just kind of dark and gloomy and he noticed it. And you know, he asked me what if I was okay. And I wasn't in the best mood. I probably, you know, I I said no, and probably with an attitude. And he asked me, he was really patient, asked me what was wrong. And, and I thought, well, you know, here, I'm going to tell this guy what's wrong with me and he'll shut up because who wants to talk about RA or anything like that? And he actually listened and lit up and said, actually, I have a friend who has 
what you have or had what you have, or you're going to have to talk to him because he reversed it and he did it naturally. And I don't want you to give up. And he lives in Sydney. We're going to be there tomorrow. And I need to call him and get you on the phone with him. Mm-hmm. And before he went into all of that, I really, I, I thought, you know, I thought he was going to tell me something about supplements or turmeric or some quick fix. You know, a lot of people are very kind and I know they mean well and they have solutions. Um, but, you know, as we've all experienced, it's, it's, a, it's more complicated than that. So I'm glad that something in me just said, be quiet and listen. Um, because it had only been just a couple of days before that, that I, I'd been meditating and I'd been praying for guidance. I really was at my wits end and really, really scared that I was not going to be able to continue working, uh, doing the things that I loved, that my life was, this was it this time. So it was just, I remembered, you know, I asked for this guidance and this could be it. So be quiet and listen. And I'm glad that I did. And now here we are. And I think we went over some basic stuff on the phone. Um, you know, Adam was sort of passed the phone to you. So it wasn't like we sat down and did a solid hour of planning. I just went over some basics and said, look, this is yeah. what I suggest. Do this, do this, do this. I think I gave you the the oil, sorry, the um, my cruise ship recommendations, which I you had did. to create for myself. Okay. Because wow. on cruise ships, you're talking about both opportunity and challenges in equal measure. The opportunity is that you're often moving, you're going up and down stairs, you're walking everywhere. You know, you can be really much more active on a cruise ship um, than what certainly the other passengers Absolutely. are. Um, <laughs> but even what you normally are on land, because there's nothing to do in the cabin. So you're always up and about. So that's one aspect. But then the other aspect is, is when you come to the buffet and the eating, you have to be like a ninja to work out how to negotiate the foods on there because everything's cooked in oil. Uh-huh. Even the rice. I mean, you've got steamed rice that's that's oily, and so the challenges are great. So, without we don't need the detail in all that, but we went through an, a, a cruise ship plan to get you through the rest of your contract on the ship, and then we talked about back on land and everything. And then, you know, we then you know communicated through our support group. And why don't you then share like your your journey? And then after that, we'll get into all of the sort of your your tips and your suggestions for everyone, because that always is really fruitful. And often we hear different things from different people. And I'm really looking forward to to your unique recommendations for people as well. So let's go through those in order. Sure. Well, I actually was really lucky. I only had a couple of weeks left on that contract. So I immediately implemented all of your advice and really stuck to it. Lucky for me, my job required a lot of movement. So there was exercise every day. It was painful, but I I had that going for me. As soon as I got home, I immediately made an appointment with my rheumatologist. And I had to wait about a month, but I started or I continued on the plan. I got home, I downloaded your book, I signed up immediately for the support forum which was absolutely wonderful. Um, and I'll get to that in a moment. So I got everything in order, um, cleaned out my refrigerator, talked to my husband about what the plan was and explained to him. And, and he was very supportive and on board with everything and just took it one day at a time. The first weekend, I think it was the first weekend that I was back, I did the 
Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, straight cucumber, celery juice. And my even my mother came over. So I was really lucky to have that support. Like we pulled out the futon, picked the movies we were going to watch for the weekend, books. I mean, full commitment to just hunker down at home and, and get me started on this plan. And let me tell you, by Monday, you could see the difference on my hand. The, the inflammation was noticeable, like how much it had gone down on these joints right in here. And um, that, to me, and the pain level probably went down from, I would say, a 10 to about a, a 6 or a 5. It was at least half the pain. So that for me right there was a huge encouraging sign that, okay, this is totally worth my while. And I, I, I wasn't suffering through the three days. Like, you know, that was to me the hardest part because as of Monday, I implemented the, you know, what came next, which for me was the buckwheat and quinoa and the seaweed and the bok choy, which I actually enjoyed. I, I love the taste of it and just greens by the handfuls, like they were chips or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I love, I actually love the taste of cucumber celery juice. And if it's really cold, um, I just, I really enjoy that. It was summer. It was getting, it was close to getting summer. So in, in the hot weather, it's really, really nice drink. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult to make that transition. With each day, the pain became less and less. And I probably about two weeks into doing the baseline foods, I I could completely open and close my hands. And I didn't, the inflammation on my joint that wasn't coming back, there was considerable less pain at the balls of my feet, which is everything because when you walk all you know that pressure is right there so for me that was that was like getting another chance you know another another <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it's like another chance at life because I really felt like my life was practically over when I had arrived at home so about a month into that I had lost a considerable amount of weight, but it wasn't anything alarming. I, I think I lost about 10 pounds, but for my frame, I was okay with that. Um, when I did get down to a point where for me, I thought, mm, I think I'm, I'm not a little, I'm not, I won't be comfortable losing anymore. I, I started uh, having orange juice and it, the weight just kind of stopped. It didn't, it didn't go any less. And I was eating the same. Um, I went to see my rheumatologist and she was not on board. She was not happy with me. She said some really horrible things, actually, that I, I just was in complete shock. I, to this day, I, I'm still in shock that somebody would say such things. She pretty much, I mean, I, to paraphrase, you know, she said, you know, people, she's had patients that did juice cleanses, juice diets, and they only made their situation worse. And it was the biggest mistake that I was going to be making that I was going to end up completely deformed and had grabbed my hand and actually kind of twisted it oh too. Yeah. And I was, I didn't, I was in I was so much shock. I was actually speechless. I, I just left the room 
And I went to the front desk because I was supposed to do a follow-up appointment. And when I got up to the desk, I just kept going toward the front door and I left and I never went back. I went to the, to the parking lot and I, I screamed at the top of my lungs in the car. I was so angry. She did say to me, she, she said, I, you know, I, I feel like I failed you. And all I kept thinking was, I think the medical system failed you <laughs> because you, you don't get it. Number one, she didn't even bother to ask what the protocol was, what the reasoning behind it was. She didn't ask any questions. She just went straight to, this is the worst mistake you can make. People have done this and it's turned out badly. <laughs> Needless yeah, to say, I, if I found another rheumatologist. I never went back to her. Yeah. I mean, there's just fundamental flaws with making assumptions. Absolutely. And she's just made an assumption. And not only that, she wanted me to go on yeah. uh, biologics, you know, you know, and I said, but I'm feeling better. Yeah. I'm feeling better. If anything, I'd, I wanted to talk about maybe starting to reduce medications, not going on something completely different that I've, I've never been on. And anyway, I didn't go back to her. It took me a yeah. while to find a new rheumatologist, but I, I have found one who I've been with for over four years and uh he's always been very very supportive hasn't asked a whole lot of questions but at this point he's seen so much change in me that he does ask questions and um sometimes even asks me in detail you know what am i eating what are you what are you doing what some of the other things that i'm doing in addition to to the nutrition as well he has interns there sometimes so it's kind of a teachable moment so that's where we are in the progress so my rheumatologist is absolutely thrilled and we've, um, I'm just on four milligrams of prednisone now and we've been taking it down. I have another appointment coming up with him next month and, and hoping to take it down one more milligram. My tests look great. They're within normal range. I was anemic at the beginning of all of this. I've not had any issues. And that is without being like a huge meat eater or anything, because you usually hear about this when I, at the beginning years ago, when I, I described what the diet was for, that I needed for me and people were asking me, how will you get iron? How will you get protein? And you're going to become anemic. That was never the issue. If anything, the serum levels completely went into normal range. Um, so if you, if they wanted proof, if the doctor ever wanted to, I mean, how can you argue when they're looking at labs to get, to gauge where you are? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and inside our support forum and also in rheumatoid solutions, there is training around this and without spending too much time on it, the anemia is often from inflammation. Yes. So as my rheumatologist said, it can be anemia of chronic disease. So you've got to treat Absolutely. the inflammation first, and then the anemia actually resolves itself. And it's really interesting how the body does that, but that's for another discussion. Right. Um, it's all the digestive system and, mm -hmm. and how stress impacts it. And I was I actually hit a few walls along the way. I think it I was it took me about two years before I really could say. I'm, I have consistency with, um, you know, inflammation levels being gone and, and being 
out of that pain. Um, it took about two years, but you know, I was sick for many, many years. I was you diagnosed went- in 2008. Well, there you uh, go. And yeah. I started and 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 on all those medications that that I mentioned, methotrexate, plaquenil, prednisone, uh, ibuprofen, off and on, Celebrex, off and on, from 2008 to 2016. And in t- 2018, uh, I was, you know, 2017, I went off of methotrexate, and one of the reasons. For that was actually, I I don't know if it's because as I was feeling better, maybe I was experiencing more of the side effects from the drugs. I, I'm not sure. I couldn't really say, but I did notice a huge difference. And when I was taken off of methotrexate, I felt so much better. And my energy was just jumped up to the next level and it, it, and I didn't go backwards because I, I I had that new discipline of what of taking care of myself uh being mindful about what I was eating and and exercise as well mm, absolutely I had the same experience I feel like this is a bit of a broken record I've said this <laughs> several times but it's the old I came off it I didn't feel any different whatsoever except more energy. And wow. Now, and but this comes with a massive disclaimer that I, like you, had been going as hard as I could on my gut health for several years prior and that my results may be very different to other people's experience, even tapering a little bit of methotrexate. Yeah. So, you know, we all have these very different personal journeys. So absolutely and just in this instance though yours and mine were were identical with that well when i went off of that medication then i slowly started tapering off some of the other ones um and i was doing well so it was very obvious it's very obvious when you're doing well and then the next day something's flaring up and you're freaking out because you're thinking oh my god here we go again I'm, i'm gonna revert to you don't know. It's it's that fear, and so of course, being after being in practice, living this way for a couple of years, the first thing you do is like, what did I what did I eat? What did I do? Like you start kind of backtracking. And it when I first started, I used to journal, I used to log everything down, so I could. Now I don't. Now I just have to kind of think back. What was in that food? You know, what did I do? And at the time, I it was hard because it wasn't. It took me a while to realize it wasn't the food necessarily. There were other triggers. And for me, and like you said, every, everybody, every body is different and everybody reacts differently. For me, my body does not react well to stress. And I, there were a lot of stressors in my life. There are a lot of triggers for me. There were a lot of things going on during that these particular times that I when I started making that connection, to me, my my reaction is is the equivalent of eating a whole block of cheese. <laughs> it's bad. It's instant and it it's bad. Um, so I had to uh, no choice when you were feeling horrible and when you're starting to have that those physical symptoms. I started journaling and trying to figure out what it was, what the stressors 
were. And I started figuring that out for myself and started to remove the stressors in my life and realize that there, I saw it this way. You nourish your body in many, many different ways. Nourishment is not just the food you put in your mouth. Nourishment is what you're exposing your mind to, your heart to, your spirit to. And these areas in my life were being exposed by a lot of different negative things that were really having a serious impact on my health in a similar way that having high fatty foods or alcohol or too much meat or cheese would. It was creating the same kind of of rheumatoid arthritis reaction in my body. It was so obvious to me that it wasn't even a question. And so as hard as it was, I had to make some really hard decisions in my life as far as the environment I was in. I moved. <laughs> we we moved. We we it was hard, but we moved locations. I'm I'm in a location now that is much more calm. I get lots of exercise around me. I'm near the mountains as well. But all that just crazy city energy from wasn't working for me anymore. Relationships as well, the type of work I was doing, all of these things I really, really had to have a deep self-reflection about. And then the other thing I realized that was a, a even to to this day, if I if I don't get enough sleep, it really is tempting that sleeping bear. <laughs> I can get away with I have to sleep at least seven or eight hours. I could get away with six hours, maybe one day, but definitely not two or three days in a row. If I do that, I start to feel a little. A little of the tingling in my, my fingers or my wrist. So these are the things that I, I call non-negotiables. I, I will not, sleeping is an absolute must, seven to eight hours every night. Rest is, you know, allowing my body to, to calm itself and, and heal is very important. In addition to watching what I eat, in addition to minding my stress levels and you know, the self-care is really important part. You know, you have to uh, make time to do the things that bring stress levels down, whether that's meditation. I love meditating. So that's, that's the thing that I do. I love guided meditations. I find on online on YouTube, or I've even created some of my own and they could be five minutes. It could be 10, 20, 30 minutes, whatever you need. Um, Reading music for me, I'm a musician. Music for me is extremely calming, calming in another way, a form of self-care, uh, which I kind of call, it's kind of like clinical level self-care. It's like little prescriptions <laughs> to kind of bring that stress level down. Um, so for me, that combination of, of a very, a mindful diet that's suited to my body um, the exercise, the self-care practices that include proper sleep and meditation, all of that in combination for me has made a huge difference. Oh, in addition to not watching as much TV and not being on Facebook as much, <laughs> because again, for me, those things were triggering there, you know, for a few years back, it's been very, very difficult. So yeah, any, anything to bring down the stress levels and not have to reach for 
for pills or, or things that are, are only going to mess up your digestive system and compromise your gut. And now, and then you find yourself in a situation again, where you're, you're an inflammatory, you know, situation all over again. Yeah. What a great sort of monologue there. Just oh, sorry. <laughs> all of the wonderful things that are so helpful to you. And, um, obviously good for all of us. Um, I made several notes. I'll summarize these when we get to the end. And uh, yeah, that, that was just, that was just wonderful. You can see how sort of in touch you are with your stimuli, stimuli of the environment around you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure which sort of aspect to sort of ask you more questions about. So I'll throw this question instead, which you know, of all the stressors which caused you such inflammation, which do you feel was most um, important to change or which one has the biggest oh, impact? That's a wonderful question. Yeah. That's a really important question, actually. Uh, that was, I think, the key in, for me in, in breaking through that wall, that barrier that I had run up against because I was doing really, really well and, and around 2018, I hit this massive wall. I just couldn't get past. And I couldn't figure out what it was until one day I figured out it was certain people that I was around. It was certain environment that I was around. And what I realized is that I thought that as an adult, I had made peace with, a, with these this specific or particular relationships and in this environment. But it really turned out that I had not. I, I and it required really being honest with myself about it and saying it's. I, I think this is connected to, to. It obviously is connected to my pain. I'm feeling pain like almost immediately, and I don't want to feel in pain. I've worked so hard to get to this point. I cannot allow for for this to keep affecting me this way. So. I started journaling at first and that really helped me release and explore a lot of what I was feeling in, in, in this relationship with this couple of people and in the environment that I was in. And when I felt like I got to a point where I felt like it was too much for me to deal with on my own, I actually sought help. So I went to see a counselor about it who helped safely guide me through that and work out and release those emotions that I didn't even, I didn't even realize I was carrying all of that. Um, or that just, there were things that were triggering me because it was triggering memories from, from past situations. So trauma is trauma, whether it's happened to you recently, or it's something that happened to you when you were four or five, 10 or 15 years old. It's these things, you know, they impact um, Mm. our lives until we deal with them. And what stress, what I came to realize, and because I had a very physical reaction where I would start having digestive issues, I would start, either would have like heartburn, I wasn't really, I couldn't really swallow properly. I was having a very physical reaction or I wasn't hungry. And I, it wasn't until it was pointed out that that was very like a, a reaction that someone has when they're like in a, in a panic, like fight or flight, high chronic stress situation. Mm. And I made that connection 
And I, I realized that happens every time. And if that's happening every time, I'm not, the food's getting stuck. Of course it is. I'm not producing the enzymes and the acids to properly break things down. Because I was having reflux as well. So I was low acidity. That was a sign of low acidity. Started making all these connections going to, well, if that's out of balance, then things aren't digesting properly. And by the time they're getting to my small intestines, they're overworked because it's supposed to be broken down. And now they're doing this job they're not supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be dealing with that. And now there's extra mucus and it's all, I mean, leading to like leaky gut, you know, it's all like not breaking down properly and backing up and oxidizing. And it blew me away to make that connection. And to me, removing those stressors was the equivalent of following the my that baseline protocol to the T. It was part of the regimen. It was part of as important as exercising every day. I love it. It's like an elimination diet. So absolutely. Absolutely. But it really does affect your digestive system. And if we think about, you know, leak how that an imbalance in your digestive system, how that leads to a compromised microbiome and how that leads to like intestinal permeability, it's all connected. And if you're under chronic states of stress, it doesn't, it, it, it didn't even matter, Clint, at the time I was eating perfectly, I was following the protocol and I was still reacting because it didn't matter how perfect or clean that food was for me if my body was not properly digesting because I was in a chronic like fight or flight state of chronic stress Mm. Um, until that was resolved nothing it didn't matter it was not going to land right in my stomach and in my gut and then it's just a domino effect from there yeah so much valuable insights in this part of our chat so much. So first of all, there's a couple of studies that I have inside the guide for rheumatologists, which is more just basically a, a guide for all of us, but I just happen to have given it that name. And that's how I remember it. Um, if people want to grab that, it's free over at uh, pattersonprogram.com forward slash guide, G-U-I-D-E. Now from that, there are a couple of studies that I recall off the top of my head. One is that Folks with rheumatoid arthritis are more susceptible to interpersonal stress. So mm. whether that was diagnosed of them or whether that was a self-assessment survey study, I cannot recall. But I know that the results and the conclusion of the study was that people with rheumatoid arthritis tend to be more sensitive to interpersonal conflicts and interpersonal relationships. And then the second thing that I remember that's so relevant to our discussion is that Completely separate study, but I link them obviously together because they, they, they go together, is that prednisone, steroid use, is linked to higher interpersonal stress also. Okay, so if you have RA and if you're on prednisone, then you have a double-barreled interpersonal stressor sensitivity. Wow. Okay, so this means that if you have a pre-existing state of stress from bad relationships or past trauma and then triggering that with conversations with certain people, 
then you've got three things going on. You've got the existing issues, then you're exacerbated with your health condition and then further exacerbated by the drug that you're taking. And so no wonder it all becomes so significant that you cannot then get breakthroughs even when you eat perfectly and you exercise great. So, so much stuff there. And so what did you do? And I know we don't want to get into too many specifics here because these, this is, this is our real life. This is, this is your life and we don't want to name names or to go there too much, but what was the mechanism that you used to uh, reduce the exposure to those stresses specifically? Well, specifically, I moved, <laughs> which right, is pretty out. drastic, but I literally physically removed myself from the situation. Uh, and sometimes that's what it takes. It really, it really does, you know, take that amount of effort. What you was is within your power to control. You should make every effort. You deserve that. You have the right to make those changes for yourself. Because sometimes our, our health completely depends on it. So I removed myself. I also, it was, it was a relationship where I've been just giving, 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 giving of myself in so many ways for so many years. And I realized not only was an I not getting back the, that equal amount of, of care and uh, attention, but I wasn't giving that to myself. I had a, a pattern of, of being that caregiver um, that I developed since childhood. So I, I, like I said, it took a lot of self-reflection and it also took some work with a counselor to, and, some, and journaling to get to that point, to make that realization, to accept that of myself so that I can start making the changes to practice self-care. and self-care in a way where I didn't feel guilty about taking care of myself, which is why, again, I needed to work with a counselor so that I could work through each of those issues and figure out how I got there. And there were a lot of times I didn't want to go. I didn't want to face these things, but I remember how that for me, it leads to pain and it's so not worth it to, to go backwards. When I've experienced just a little bit of improvement, listen, when you've lived so many years in so much pain and your life literally gets like ripped away from you and you know what that feeling is, you never want to go back to that. When you have a moment or, or even if it's just a day or two or a couple of months of feeling better and, and feeling that hope again for the first time in a long time, there is no way you want to go back, backwards to, fe- to living that life of, of being in chronic pain every day and being scared for your life and worried all the time. It just doesn't make any sense. So every time I felt like, I don't want to go to the counselor, I don't want to deal with this. I just remember, do, do I want to go back to being in pain every day? No, I don't. You know what? I can be uncomfortable sitting in an office talking for an hour. It, that's better than living, you know, eight years of pain and taking methotrexate and a bunch of other drugs and not having a life. I, Feeling better absolutely. is the best motivator, you know? So true. So true. Wow. 
Thank you. This has just been so insightful. You've just given us so much sort of um, of your, yeah, I guess you've just shared completely openly with us and you've held nothing back in terms of the real issues. You know, we're not talking here about whether or not you tested broccoli or not. We're getting into, you know, look, I needed to move. These relationships were holding me back and, and, and the ability that you have to make the connections and, and see how those very subtle and non-tangible parts of your life were having very obvious and clear quantitative measurable impact Absolutely. on your health. And it makes me wonder, outside of our community of folks with inflammatory arthritis who don't have the alarm system of the mm. inflammation in the body, these interpersonal stresses are manifesting in different ways. It could be the absolutely the, the, the seed of a different health condition that's not the one that we always talk about or the breakdown of other organs in the body and so on. Absolutely. But we, get that, we get that trigger, the, yeah. the inflammation. That's our red light alarm system going off. Yeah, so, there's always an alarm. I mean, I now after being through so many years of, I forgot, I didn't mention this before, prior to being diagnosed with RA, I was diagnosed with lupus in 2003. So that has also is completely reversed. I haven't dealt with any symptoms uh, of lupus in many, many years and living the lifestyle that I do now and being mindful about what I eat. It just helps me in that area too. It's, these are two major, um, autoimmune disorders that, that have been reversed naturally. I have had guidance from my rheumatologist. Um, I'm so grateful to have his support because that that really made the difference as well for me, knowing that if anything did go wrong, and that was our deal, um, you know, he would be on standby if any if anything really ran away from me and I couldn't, you know, there was always like I could go back on hydroxychloroquine because he felt that was the least invasive of the drugs to begin with, right? <laughs> so there, I, I guess there was, I always kind of had that, I don't want to say security blanket, but I guess peace of mind that I, I felt supported is what I'm trying to say is that I, somebody was allowing me to do what I needed to do naturally. And I knew that if it, if I needed the help, it was there. Um, and speaking of support, that was another reason why I had to move away from those relationships. It, it was, they weren't, they were not supportive relationships and going through this, this journey it's so important to have that support. Um, my husband's very, been very supportive. He doesn't eat the way that I do, but he he really does try. But he doesn't question what I'm doing, and he you know he encourages me. I don't have a huge family, so for me, being part of the support forum online was my family, was my adopted uh, you know rheumatoid family, and that really really helped me. Um, I'm not, I wasn't much for writing or, or sharing a whole lot, but I did read a lot. I followed a lot of people and I've read all the research you shared and I listened to the, the podcasts have gotten me through so much, Clint. And I, I want to thank you so much for providing this, this safe space to, to learn and to share. And also a thank you to everybody else who's, who's shared their stories because 
you never know like what you share. I like, I don't feel completely comfortable. I'm usually an introverted person, but it's, it's also just not about me. I know that there may be something that I might share that it will resonate with somebody else. And it might be the difference between quitting this program or, or continuing. And they just need that, that little extra bit of encouragement. And that's what I, that's what I have found with these podcasts and in your forum. And I'm I'm so grateful for it. Support is very, very important in this journey as well. Well, that's why I set up that uh, support platform now going back about seven years ago. And, um, you know, it's, I go there every day, I log in, I read everyone's comment, I respond to every question and it's not work. It's just feels like my daily routine, like brushing my teeth. And as you said, there's so many resources in there. Often I just need to put a link and say, Hey, go watch, for example, this video on anemia. That's the, and, and, or, Oh, you want a cortisone injection? Here, here's the whole section about cortisone injections and how frequently you can get them, where they work best, wow. where you should get ultrasound guidance, assistance. I mean, yeah. So we've got seven years of contributions from people and all of the monthly calls and things. So this isn't a, uh, you know, a, a discussion all about the support platform, but, um, you know. But it's been it's, a very important part of my journey. So, yeah. you know, talking about the formula for me, it, it has included the support forum because I don't have a huge family and it's been very difficult with friends. I've, I've lost friends because they don't understand you know, people who are very social and it's about going out and eating and drinking. And I've never been one for drinking a whole lot. And, but when it came to diet, like, it's like, I, I can't participate in these things. And so it's like, let, you know, I was just not invited as much to things. And eventually I wasn't invited at all, but, but that's okay because I have my life back. And that is invaluable absolutely invaluable. Yeah. I wonder how many podcasts there are where we can have conversations where like, okay, so I've got my life back. Not like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and I've been, uh, we're looking at uh, just sort of trying to reach a few more people and do some sort of really 101 kind of marketing activities. And, and I, and someone sent me a form to fill out to assist me with that and said, who are your competitors? And I had to think, who, who am I? I'm thinking about it, and and I'm just thinking, who else sort of does this? And you know, I guess like there's a whole sort of autoimmune protocol world out there that I pay very little attention to. And uh, yeah, other than that, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, there's not a lot of plans out there and and sort of systems out there where we just have a community and we're trying to all help each other get well and share free information and then have some, some, um, plans to follow to help you get well and then have guests on and say, yeah, I got well, you know, and I, I'm pleased to say that it, that it seems to be a nice, nice bubble that we're all in. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice club to belong to that for sure. <laughs> right, right. Even if the club seems crazy to a lot of other people. Oh, I know. I know. But, um, it's as hard as this journey has been. And, and I know I'm sure you've heard other people say it before too. And maybe it's mindset. That's the other thing I didn't mention. Mindset is absolutely key. I, I don't think I would be 
doing as well, if I had fallen into that way of thinking, of thinking, I can't, I can't, I don't have, or I won't, or, you know, of, of picturing the negative, like when I meditate or, you know, I, I usually, I guess you could call it visualization is I'm either envisioning my life as I was living it at my happiest, at my best, because I'm, I'm envisioning myself returning to that physical state of freedom and energy, or I'm envisioning, I'm making plans of what I'm going to do when I'm feeling better, what I'm going to do when I can walk again, when I, when I, when I can move again, when my, when I can move my arms freely and my shoulders is, is having that positive outlook and having goals, having something to move toward instead of falling into that downward spiral of, of sadness and negativity, you know, where you end up, it's hard enough. Like, you, you know, you end up in this oppressive state. It's just hard, so hard to claw your way out of that situation. Depression, like stress, will have a similar impact on your digestive system. So it's really, really important. Your, your brain doesn't know the difference between an actual traumatic event or negative thoughts that you're, they're both negative things. Your brain can't tell the difference. It will react the same way. Sending signals to your digestive system to like stop everything because you need to run, you need to survive, stop producing the acids and the enzymes. We need all your energy to run the heck out of here because it doesn't know, it doesn't know that you're not actually in danger. So these are the areas where we have control over how we're impacting or affecting our own bodies, you know, having, trying to think positively. And if we have trouble with that, like I said, there's, I like using guided meditation. Sometimes when I, when I was really, really stressed and I couldn't get out of that loop, that cycle of, of negative thought, I started reaching for, uh, going, searching through YouTubes. Um, some friends recommended some as well. And that's how I found my way there. And it really, really made a world of difference and helped me just kind of calm down. And again, working with a counselor <laughs> when it was at my, when it was at the beginning, when I just couldn't stop chatter in my head, um, with that just fear, fearful thoughts and, and, and all of that. But what, what I'm saying is that negative thoughts, stress, it impacts the mind in the same way. It's, and it's connected to digestion. And, and as I said before, that all leads to an imbalance in the gut and leaky gut and things getting into your bloodstream that shouldn't be there. And then your white blood right. cells going nuts. And you know, the whole cycle, the whole story that goes after that. And it's just a good reminder to us about how almost everything seems to affect the microbiome where we're really, it's the engine room of our immune system mm. and how we're going to feel our mood, our thoughts, everything where it's all impacted by the, you know, gut bacteria. So we have to uh, do all that we can, just as you have highlighted to impact the microbiome in positive ways. And so what I've learned from listening to you today, which has been an absolute pleasure, is that you have had to address all of those things with equal importance to your diet. 
Absolutely. You've, you've found the right rheumatologist who is supportive of you in your journey. And that required you to make a, a big decision, which is dumping your first one, which Dr. McDougall says, if you don't, if your doctor doesn't work with you, then get a new doctor. It's not like you're being rebellious. You're being resourceful and sensible because the second one was perfectly fine. It wasn't like you had to search the earth. These days, rheumatologists that are happy to be more open-minded are much more common. Mm-hmm. It's not like when you and I were first diagnosed. Like oh, yeah. You 2008, me 2006. Having said that, my guy's been just amazing from day one. But I had, at the time, I think, a little bit of an exception. Um, the horror stories I've heard over the years have been remarkable. So you've got your rheumatologist right you've worked on your diet and you've got that right. That's the foundation. That's the concrete slab of the house. So we get the diet right, but rarely is diet enough. So you've then gone and done all of the other foundational work for the house. You've got your sleep right. You've literally moved house so that you can avoid (laughs) negative relationships because proximity exposes you to those sort of... Absolutely. uh, uh, Yep. So you've changed and removed yourself completely. Um, being the biggest intervention you could. And you've put yourself also, we didn't go into this, but you've put yourself more into a a lifestyle-friendly environment. You've said before we hit record that you're near the mountains, you can go hiking and do wonderful things. And being out of the city, I used to live in the city in a one-bedroom apartment. And gosh, that's not the place to be if you're trying to heal. Think think about moving if you currently live right in the center of the city and you're struggling. Um, And then uh, you know, meditating to reduce that those stress levels, calming uh, via music, since you are a musician, that kind of, avoid the pun, resonates with you. And then <laughs> you've, you've reduced stimuli that are negative, like Facebook and, and these social platforms and television. And to help all with this emotional side of things, you also got professional help. And um, I realised recently that professional help when it comes to emotional and psychology sort of topics isn't the same level of kind of um, social criticism or social judgment that it used to have. And I've got family members and friends and they're like, I went to see someone about this. And I'm like, okay, well, it must've been just me, but like I was not a, a man, I shouldn't go and see someone about this stuff. But I now feel like if I wanted to see someone about some uh, uh, sort of challenges that are in my mind, emotional, that it's totally normal. And right. I was holding, holding onto a silly stick. Clint, I, I think it's a generational thing. I think you and I are about the same age. Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more accepted nowadays. And it's also yeah. like culturally, it's I'm, I'm mixed. So it's, it's part of my culture, it is very accepted. In, in fact, it's part of therapeutic practices because it's the community is, very much a part of this, the healing practice. Um, there's there's a lot of talking and expressing and rebalancing. Um, and that's also another reason why I've approached my situation the way that I have. It's not just not just being mindful about food, but being mind being mindful about bringing everything into balance. The the body, which is what you know, the food, how we nourish it, but it also bringing the mind into balance, bringing the heart into balance, bringing your spiritual life into balance. If these things are out of balance, any one part of it, it 
it's all connected. Mm -hmm. They will all be affected. And that was, those were my big aha moments. And they continue to be my big aha moments. Even now I'm still tweaking and, and, and working on things and improve and continuing to improve. And I, and I, you know, look forward to con continuing this down this trajectory of improvement, but being mindful that these four areas, body, mind, spirit, heart are all connected. They have to be worked on to bring balance back in. So part of the work that I did with the counselor, and it's not just going to any counselor. It took me a while to find the one that resonated with me, <laughs> with my beliefs and spirituality, um, because it, that's how it would help me. But the issues that I was dealing with were throwing my mind and, and my heart out of balance and was affecting my body, causing digestive issues. Like I said, it's, it's all connected. Those, those yeah. were the big aha moments that I've, that I've had and that have made a huge difference in, in getting past those, those blocks and, and moving on to that next step to continue healing and, and reversing all these symptoms. Yeah, I love it. Well said. Thank you. Oh, you're uh, welcome. And then, you know, just uh, on my list here, you mentioned the mindset and, and visualization and, uh, and we spent several years together communicating inside our support platform and uh, there's that ongoing invitation there for anyone who'd like to come join us and get some help not just from you know myself I'm there but but the superstars are all the other people who are <laughs> crushing it with their stories and and exchanging ideas and and uh, what was the last thing now that was the last thing on my list something I wanted to close on was this lovely thing that you said which was that each of these things that we do are like mini prescriptions. So we're giving ourselves a little, little healing dose when we're going to bed on time, a little healing dose when we meditate. And these little prescriptions are so, that's such a nice little metaphor that our diet is like, a, is, you know, diet is medicine sort of angle, but all these other things are little prescriptions also. And that just is a really beautiful way of looking at it. Oh, I'm glad that resonates. <laughs> thank you. So thank you very much, Elvira. This has been You're a welcome. pleasure. You look so healthy and well, and thank I hope you. you continue to thrive and continue to hit all of the, the next goals that you have on your journey. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so happy um, to finally be on the other side of this and to be here to share it with you. And, and finally, thank you one-on-one. -on -one. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.